Hello, and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. With everything that we've got, our hearts will sing, amen. Our hearts will sing how much we love the Lord. Let's go into a time of prayer before we share the word. Uh, Father, we just want to thank you um, that you're here amongst us. And we just want to thank you um, for the joy that we have in your presence. And we just want to thank you for what an awesome time we're going to have as we go into your word together. And for the change that's going to happen in our lives as we take hold of the word that you have for us today. It is a privilege, Lord, to share your word together. And it's not one that we take lightly. And we thank you for that honor, Lord. We thank you for courage. We thank you for boldness. Lord, use me today. Speak through me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Good morning. You guys are going to have to help me today. I'm just recovering from the flu, so... You're going to have to help me read. You're going to have to help me preach. Amen. <clears throat> so before we start, I just want to do a quick exercise with everybody. It's not, these questions I'm going to ask, they're not trick questions. So when I ask the question, first thing that comes to your mind, you just say it. Okay? Wall's looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so first thing, what do you used to think? Your brain. Cool. Uh, what do you used to hear? Cool. What do you used to speak? Okay. Uh, if you want to give somebody something, what do you give them something? How do you decide what you want to give them? Bank statement. Cool. Um, and <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good answer. And um, what do you used to love with? You love it? <laughs> okay. Okay, someone said mind, and I'm, I'm not going to take the feet answer, but somebody has said heart as well. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so can we read together Proverbs 4.23, please? I will read it in the New King James first, please. If we're there, can we say amen? Oh, you guys said that quick. Okay, can we read it together? It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Amen. Can we read it in the NIV, please? Read it again. So, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Okay. Everything you do flows from it, the word says. So earlier we said that we think with our brain, we give with our bank statement, we hear with our ears, we speak with our mouth, and we love with our hearts, okay? So if we can go to Proverbs 23, verse 7. For he is the kind of person, in the New King James, please. Yeah. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So you think in your heart, not with your brain. 
can we read Second uh, Corinthians nine, chapter seven? It says, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart. So we give with our heart. Uh, if we can read Psalm 14, verse 1. It says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We speak with our heart. Uh, can we read Revelation chapter 3, verse 20? It says, uh, Behold, I stand and knock at the door. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. So really, when we're hearing things, we're hearing things with our heart. Amen. And then Matthew 22, verse 37 So Matthew 22, verse 37, it says, You shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Amen. So really, a lot of the things that we think we do naturally, we think we do with our physical senses, we think, we think that we think with our brain, we speak with our mouths, we hear with our ears. In actuality, the Bible has told us that everything that we do, we actually do with our hearts. And that's why in Proverbs 23, it says, Guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. And other scriptures, if you want to read that in our own time, we believe with our heart, Romans 10, 9. We trust with our heart, Proverbs 3, 5. We plan in our hearts, Proverbs 16, 9. And our hearts can be merry, our hearts can be sorrow. There are so many scriptures that kind of talk about the how important our heart is. And I looked at the definition of heart in my Bible concordance, and it says it's the vital... Okay. It's the vital center of one's being, one's emotions and sensibilities. I'll read that definition again. It says, the heart is the vital center of one's being's emotions and sensibilities. So with all these things, why is our heart so important to God? Why, is God, or why did God influence the writer of Proverbs to say to guard our hearts? Well, if we look at... Um, 1 Samuel 16, 7, when the prophet Samuel went to the house of Jesse, he was, Samuel was looking at all of Jesse's sons and trying to decipher who he thought the next king of Israel was going to be. And Samuel was looking at the outward appearance. He looked at, you know, the first son's physique. He looked at the second son's bodybuild. And God said, no, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the outside. But I, when I'm dealing with people, I deal with their heart. I'm looking at their hearts. So when God looks down at us, yes, it's good to keep up appearances, but at the end of the day, that is really not what he's looking at. He looks from the inside out, not from the outside in, amen? So our first scripture reading from today is Luke chapter 8, verse 4 to, 4 to 15. It's a long read, and we can read it in the Passion Translation, please. So that's Luke 8, chapter 4, Luke 8, verse 4 to 15. If we're there, can we say amen? In the passion, please. We don't have it. Okay. 
Okay, I'll read it and you can follow along. Okay. It says, <clears throat> Massive crowds gathered from many towns to hear Jesus, and he taught them using metaphors and parables such as this. A farmer went out to sow seeds for a harvest. As he scattered his seed, some, fell, some of it fell on the hard pathway and was quickly trampled down and unable to grow and became nothing but bird seed. Some fell on the gravel, and though it sprouted, it did not take root. It withered for lack of moisture. Other seed fell where there was nothing but weeds. It too was unable to grow to full maturity, for it was choked out by the weeds. Yet some of the seed fell into good, fertile soil, and yet it grew and flourished until it produced more than a hundredfold harvest, a bumper crop. Then Jesus added, shouting all to shouting to all who would hear listen with your heart and you will understand later his disciples came to Jesus and asked him privately what deeper meaning was found in his parable he said you have been given a teachable heart to perceive the secret hidden mysteries of God's kingdom realm but to those who do not have a listening heart my words are merely stories even though you have eyes even though they have eyes, they are blind to the true meaning of what I say. And even though they listen, they won't receive full revelation. Here then is the deeper meaning to my parable. The word of God is the seed that is sown into hearts. The hard pathway represents the hard hearts of men who hear the word of God, but the slanderer quickly snatches away what was sown in their hearts to keep them from believing and experiencing salvation. The seed falling on the gravel represents those who initially respond to the word with joy, but soon afterward, when a season of harassment of the enemy and the difficulty come to them, they wither and fall away, for they have no root in the truth, and their faith is temporary. The seed that falls into the weeds represents the hearts of those who hear the word of God, but their growth is quickly choked off by their own anxious cares, the riches of this world, and the fleeting pleasures of this life. This is why they have become, they never become mature and fruitful. The seed that fell into the good fertile soil represents those lovers of truth who hear it deep within their hearts. They respond by clinging to the word, keeping it dear as they endure all things in faith. This is the one that, this is the seed that will one day bear much fruit in their lives. Okay, quick question. What was the responsibility of the one who sowed the seed? What was his job in order to sow the seed? Okay. But what determined the outcome of all the seeds? The soil. Your soil, which is your heart, is your responsibility to maintain. Nobody can maintain that for you. What you do with what you hear is really up to you. It's your job to cultivate your ground. It's your job to uproot any weeds the Bible talks about um, in the passage that the cares of life choked out the seed. Do you know when you're gardening, um, there's the thing called Roundup, which is like a weed killer. And the reasons that gardeners put that on there is because in the ground, there's only so much nutrients. There's only so much um, food source for the plant, right? But anything that grows that hasn't been planted is really in competition with what has been planted. So they're all competing for the light. 
they're all competing for the nitrogen in the soil. They're all competing for all the other resources in the soil. And that's the same thing with us. If you don't uproot the things in your heart, they are going to compete with God's word in your life. And the, there's only so much space in your heart. And if you let that weed grow, it will take over the whole garden. So it's your job to uproot that. When you hear fear calling, uproot it. When you feel doubt calling, uproot it. When you feel insufficiencies calling, uproot it. Because at the end of the day, that is all the enemy has to do with you. The Bible says that he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And he will do that by coming in competition with you. When Jesus was in the, the, the desert and he had been fasting, he came with a competition. The competition was an altered word of God. He took the word of God and he rephrased it. He rejigged it thinking that this is how I'm going to get Jesus. But Jesus knew the right thing. He had already had the good thing planted in his heart. So when the time came, he was able to bring up out of his heart something to come out of his mouth. Jesus himself said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. In a pressure situation, what comes out of your mouth is really what is in your heart. If you've ever been in an argument with somebody and they've made you very angry and you've given them severe tongue lashing and then after you go back and say, I didn't mean it, you did mean it. You really meant it. All that you did, all your mouth did was form the words that were in your heart. That's all your mouth did. The pressure was on, boom, and what came out? Everything that you were truly feeling. So instead of apologizing, take a moment to think, actually, this thing that I'm feeling, this outcome that's about to happen, does it line up? And if not, that means I've allowed something to overgrow in my garden. And it's time to do some gardening. It's time to uproot those things. Amen. Um, again, your fruitfulness will be determined by how well you cultivate as well. So... Everyone can bear fruit, but the Bible talks about good fruit, the Bible talks about bad fruit. So if, you're, if you've allowed seeds to be sown, that you know the outcome is going to be good. Again, it's your job to uproot these things. Um, Hebrews 12, 14 to 11, it talks about not letting the, the root of bitterness take root. What does that mean? That means don't let it. Don't, that doesn't mean, oh, can you help me? That means you have, the, you have the responsibility to not let that thing take root. If it doesn't take root, it's very easy to uproot. Amen? Amen. Um, can we read Matthew 5, 29 in the message, please? Amen. It says, let's not pretend this is easier than it really is. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in a lustful leer. You have to choose to live one-eyed or else be dumped on a moral trash pile. And I'm going to leave it there. Other translations read... If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. 
if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye or with one hand than to be cast basically into the fiery pit with your whole body. What does this mean for us? It means nip it in the bud. The moment that you see something starting to grow that shouldn't be growing, the moment that you start to identify characteristics that really shouldn't be there, nip it in the bud. And you know what? A lot of these things that we let in, the Bible says that the eye is the lamp of the soul. There are so many things that we let in, so many influences that we let in, and where we are naive to actually the impact that it's having on us. I'll give you an example. I'm not on social media anymore. I came off Instagram about a year and a half ago, right? Part of the reason I came off Instagram is Bella Niger. What is Bella Niger? Bella Niger is a very popular wedding um, Instagram page, right? They post weddings, brides, venues, everything. Obviously, you guys know I was deep in planning this time two years ago. And every time I looked at, I was on Instagram and something would come up wedding related, something would come up Bella Niger related, I could feel my blood pressure rising. Why am I getting angry at somebody else's wedding? Why am I doing comparisons with somebody else's wedding? That, I'm, not that, I'm not that bright. This, no, but I want you to understand, it might not be that deep, but for me, it was that deep. And I could feel myself slowly becoming resentful at how my own wedding planning process was going. And I said, you know what? This is getting too much. I have to nip it in the bud. I had to just, re I, I didn't even delete, block the pages. I just removed the whole Instagram. I just removed it. And to be fair, wedding planning was so much nicer moving forward. I, and I'm not even saying this to be funny, but it just felt like there was a pressure. And it wasn't even a pressure that I had put on myself, but it was a pressure that, in fact, yes, it was a pressure I had put on myself. Nobody was putting that pressure on me. But I had put that pressure on myself because I was looking with my eyes at things I didn't really need to be looking at. Do you see what I mean? So we need to nip it in the bud. Before something fully develops, before it becomes a fruit, before it becomes a tree, it will start off as a shoot. And at that point, it's easier to uproot a shoot than to cut down a whole tree. So the moment that you see something forming that it shouldn't be forming, identify the source. Maybe it's your friendship group. Maybe it's the people you're hanging around with and every time you get around them, your peace is diminishing. Maybe it's like me, your Instagram. Every time you're doing look look on Instagram and then you go to be shopping online. Next thing you know, when the bank balance comes, you're wondering. Again, that's me and I'm changing. Glory to God. Amen. Maybe it's Love and hip-hop. Again, I'm changing. Glory to God. <laughs> Amen. But maybe it's the things that we're watching online and there are changes in our behavior and you're thinking, where did that come from? I remember when Jesse was younger, do you know what the biggest culprit was? Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig is very rude. She throws tantrums. She's disrespectful but she's a very popular children's TV character. And I was noticing changes in her behavior that I didn't like. And what did I have to do? I had to nip it in the bud. When she wanted to watch Peppa Pig, you know what I put on? I put on Super, not Super Story, Superbook. 
Does anybody know Superbook? That's what she was watching instead. You want to watch Papa Pig? You're going to watch Superbook instead. Why? Because these are seeds that were being sown in her from a young age. And no matter your age, seeds can always be sown. Let's not be naive in thinking that we're at a certain age, we're at a certain maturity level that, oh, if I read this, it's not going to affect me. If I look at this, if I watch this, it's not going to affect me. If I speak to this person all the time, it's not going to affect me. Yes, it is. You're not superhuman. And until you learn to guard your heart properly, you need to remove yourself from the situation. Because there are seeds that are being sown and there are fruits that we really don't want to be growing in our lives. Amen? So yeah, just, that's just put out there. Any books, any TV programs, any people that we're hanging around with, it's so important that we really have to um, filter that's what I'm looking for. We have to filter the things that we let in, not just our personal space, but the things that we let into our hearts, the things that we let into our minds. If you've ever listened to the radio, subconsciously you can pick up songs like this. Why? It's in the background. You're not even actively trying to learn the song, but because it's there subconsciously, subconsciously, you've taken it in. And anything that you do not actively guard against, you will inadvertently let in. Amen? Uh, so yeah, that's what we need. We need a gate man. If you really watch Nollywood, then you'll know what a gate man is. <laughs> you need somebody, or you need to kind of have something at the gate to say, actually, this can be let in. This, this, this is okay to let in. I can let this in. I can let this in. And actually, it's not just about what you're letting in, but what you're letting out as well. In the um, Luke scripture we read earlier, the Bible says that the, the enemy came and snatched up the leaves or the, the, the cares of life choked, choked up the, the shoots so that they couldn't grow. There's so much that we let out as well. Sometimes we actually forget about the authority that we have. Sometimes we get into a situation instead of actually saying, actually, I've got this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We think about our own inadequacies. We think about our own weaknesses. We think about our own shortcomings. We think about our, everything that means that we cannot. Instead of that one thing that says, yes, I can do this. So just be mindful about what you're letting out as well. And part of the way that we can guard our heart is actually to confess scripture over our hearts. Where do we store scripture? We store it in our hearts. The psalmist said, your word have I hidden in my heart. Hide it in your heart so it will be like a soldier for you. That when the enemy comes with his lies, when the enemy comes with his deceit, when you're faced against a situation that feels rough, when you're faced in a situation that humanly speaking, physically speaking, you don't feel that you can do in and of yourself. That word, is gonna, that word of God is going to stand guard for you. It's going to build you up. You have to edify yourself with the word. Amen? Amen. Uh, and another thing as well is comparison. Comparison. Comparison is the thief of all joy. But you know what else comparison is? Comparison is an idol. Because when you compare yourself or your situation to somebody, what in effect you're saying is, this thing that I'm comparing myself against is the standard. 
This thing that I'm comparing myself against is what I'm actually trying to be like. I want to be like this. I want to be like this person. I want to be in this situation. Well, actually, anything that you're putting above God is an idol, isn't it? So if you're saying that this, you know, I want an iPhone 11 and that's all you obsess about and you consistently think about, you've made that thing an idol in your life. Guard your heart against comparison. At the end of the day, glory to God that his word said that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is absolutely no one like you and no situation like yours because God has written your own story so uniquely for you. And, it's, and I think, oh gosh, comparison is, and it's so easy to slip into comparison. It starts off very slowly. It starts off very slow. It's a slippery slope. And before you know but you've gone down the slide and you've diminished everything that you are and everything that God says you are because you put your focus on a person or an object and not on the word of God and guarding your heart and taking, taking steps to guard your heart. Amen? Amen. Um, I think I read a statistic that said we remember or we retain 30% of what we see and what we hear, but we retain 90% of what we do, okay? The Bible even says it, that a man that hears the word and doesn't do it is like a man that looks in the mirror and then when he turns away, he forgets what he looks like. One of the surest ways I can say to guard your heart is to just do what the word of God says. It sounds like a very simple remedy, and that's because it is. Just do what the word of God says. Because at the end of the day, we should really be using the word of God as, like, as our mirror, right? So you, I don't know if this happens to you as well. Sometimes I read the word of God, and I read something, and I'm like, ouch. God is speaking to me about this situation that I need to change or God is speaking to me about this particular character flaw that needs to be just uprooted it needs to go because this is really I'm really not walking and I'm really not behaving in the way that I'm supposed to be and sometimes you just have to do heart surgery you just have to really just you know that parts of your heart that are stony God says that he will give us a heart of flesh if there's anything in us that we're like, actually, I am not, I, me as myself as a person, I'm not lining up with what the word of God says. It's your responsibility to make that change in your life by doing what the word says about that situation. You know, um, one, gosh, it's really bad. One thing that I used to do, gosh, and I'm changing now, glory to God. If you offended me, I would write down what you did to me. Yeah, I'd write, I'd write down what you did to me to make me, to upset me or to make me angry, yeah? And I told myself, this, listen, you know you can lie to yourself, you can't lie to God. You can, it's actually possible to deceive even yourself. You can't lie to God. I told myself it's so that I can pray about it and I can let it go. But do you know what happens when you constantly are reminded about something that someone's done, yeah? You think you're over it. You think you're over it because in your head, 
you've let that go. But then you see the person again, or you're reminded of the situation again, and then your blood pressure begins to rise, and then your temperature begins to rise, and out of nowhere, you're angry because you reminded yourself of it. But what does the Bible say about wrongdoings? Love keeps no record of wrongdoings. So if love keeps no record, why am I writing a list? But it's just an example of one of the ways in which you can use the word to guard your heart. Because otherwise, what's happening? I'm letting bitterness and anger take root where really there should be unity. I myself have invited discord into a situation. Guard your hearts. Amen? Amen. Uh, 1 Samuel 28, verse 3 to 8, please. First Samuel, three to eight, okay. Now Samuel had died and all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. Okay, that bit is important. Saul had put the mediums and spirits out of the land, amen? Next verse. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and encamped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by the prophets. And Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, in fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endorn. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes. And he went, and two men with him. And when they came to the woman by night, and he said, Please conduct a seance for me, and bring up for me the one I shall name to you. Amen? Amen. So just to give some context of this, of this, of this scripture, we know in the Old Testament that God has specifically told the Israelites, do not contact dead spirits, don't contact mediums, don't contact people, don't, don't, just don't do it, right? And we read in verse 3 that initially, Saul had already told the whole of Israel, take all these mediums and spirit people out, okay? But then what happened? The Philistines are rising up, he's getting worried because God is not answering his prayer, and he goes back and does the thing that he's not supposed to do. Amen? What is the moral of that? Without settling something in your heart, you're always going to go back to bad habits. The reason that we always get stuck in a cycle of doing the same thing over and over and over again is because really in our hearts, we haven't, we haven't settled the matter. And without, without a changed heart, you will continue in the cycle of, of sinning. You will continue in the cycle of bad habits. You will continue in the cycle of bad behaviors. You will continue in the cycle of bringing forth bad fruit. And this is, I mean, if you look at it, this is just Saul, but this is really representative of the whole of the, Israeli, of the Israelite people throughout the whole Old Testament. They were right with God. Things were going well. 
pressures come, they turn back to the, to the ways of the people around them. They cry out to God. God helps them. And it's a never-ending cycle. Why? Because their hearts really hadn't been transformed in the way that it should have been. So without changing your heart, you end up with head knowledge. You end up with head revelation. You end up with changed outward behavior. But all of that will be temporary if you don't have changed inward heart behavior. Heart knowledge is the best kind of knowledge. Amen? Amen. And last but not least, we will read Philippians 4, 6-7. I believe it's a familiar piece of scripture. Amen? Philippians 4, 6-7. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? Be anxious for nothing. Do you know that a lot of the time we use synonyms for anxiety? I'm stressed. I've got a lot on my plate. When really what we're saying is, I'm anxious about this situation, but I don't want to use the word anxious. So I'm going to put on a robe on it. I'm going to call it stress. I do this every time. I'm and I'm going to be very honest with you, and it's something that I'm learning to get away from because what anxiety does is it opens the door to the devil. The Bible says that we have not been given a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit. We think fear is an emotion. Fear can affect your emotions, but fear is a spirit. And if you do not guard your heart against the things that God has told us to guard our hearts again, you, against, you open up yourselves to the enemy and your heart would be a playground for him. But the Bible says that if in your situations you can say actually by prayer and by thanks and by supplications and by thanksgiving, you can make your request known. The Bible also talks about, you know, casting your care onto God because he cares for us. If you can do those situations, the Bible says that his peace will guard your heart. Amen? The peace of God can and will guard your heart. But in order for that to happen, there has to be something that you do first. You have to not be anxious. You don't need to worry. You are the one that needs to pray and offer up supplications and offer up your thanksgiving and then God says okay now my peace will guard your heart amen amen um, amen amen if we can all rise to our feet please I just want us to go into a short time of prayer and I just want us to reflect in our hearts if there's anything that we've let the enemy plant or we've let life plant in our hearts, if there's anything that um, has been growing in our gardens that we need to uproot, I just want you to take that time to uproot it now. Your heart is your responsibility. Amen. Father, we just want to thank you for your word, Lord. The utterance of your word brings illumination. Father, Lord, I just pray, Lord, that... Um, 
as I stand here in your presence, Lord, that you will shine your word, Lord Father, into the areas of my heart that um, I have let weeds grow. The areas of my heart, Lord, where um, I have let bad seeds be sown, oh God. Father, Lord, I want to take this opportunity to uproot bitterness, to uproot anger, to uproot anything that is not of you that is in my heart right now. And Father, Lord, I thank you because you have given us the resources and the tools to guard our hearts. And we know how important our hearts are to you, Lord, because you speak to us in our hearts. We know how important our hearts to you, Lord, because out of it flows everything that we do. It determines the course of our life. So, Father, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Lord, knowing that you will help us to make our hearts a healthy ground for your word. And we just thank you, Lord, for every heart that is here, Lord that indeed the word that has been spoken today will fall on fertile soil and shall bring forth good fruit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.